We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sean, let's dive into the final piece of this. This is going to be, let's have a little lightheartedness fun. Let's do it. So as we look at the, you know, Lindy's came out. So you knew I had to go buy that. I went out to the grocery store like three straight nights. So you prefer Lindy's over Athlon? No, I prefer, I prefer Lindy's over Athlon because Lindy's is out now and Athlon's not. Okay. The only one I don't buy is Phil Steele. Yeah. I I buy all of them. I'll buy Street and Smith. I'll buy, and it was Sporting News for a while. I'll buy Athlon. The only one I don't buy is Phil Steele because it's just, it's like reading a foreign language or code. It's like, I just, I can't, there's just too much Phil's just, I can't do it. I would collect them on our summer trips when we would be driving and my parents would be driving us down south mm-hmm. or like down out west to Oklahoma oh, yeah. or somewhere for trips and we would stop, stop in the gas station. I went in every gas station with my dad because I wanted to see regionally who was on the front. Yeah. Of the magazines, yep. that was like the one of the best parts of the oh, trip. Yeah. Stopping, stopping at the gas station and checking out the the magazines, absolutely. And uh, uh, I'd be lying if I said that my wife and I didn't go on a cruise recently, uh, recently, like ten years ago. Yeah. And uh, when she looked at my backpack and saw that I had five preseason magazines, she was like, "Seriously, hey, you know." It's gonna be a lot of reading time. You got your Karen Kingsbury book. This is what I got. Okay, this is what I got. Uh, Lindy's is only one out so far. That's why I'm I'm reading Lindy's. But that's out. We've seen all these online preseason top twenty fives. So what Sean and I are going to kind of have some fun with here as we wrap up is looking at who are the teams that we believe are overrated and underrated. I think that Notre Dame is in an okay spot with most people. Like they're between like six to ten. You know, I've seen one at like 12 or 13. Those are outliers. I think six to 10 is I'm comfortable with. I would probably have them higher than like eight or nine, but it's not like they should be five and they're eight. You're idiots and you're way off. Like, come on. It's like a few spots and whatever. We can have this conversation. Right. So I think they're close-ish to where they should be. And we'll have a show down the road where we'll talk about where we specifically think Notre Dame should be ranked because we'll come out with our own top 10 at some point in time this summer. But they're looking around the country about where other teams are ranked. We are going to give you three teams that we think 
are overrated coming into the season and why Mm -hmm. three teams that we think are a little bit underrated coming into the season. And then we're going to give you a sleeper team. So, and then like I said, we'll wrap it up by talking a little bit about Clemson. So Sean, the first team that you and I believe is overrated is uh, the same. Uh, Our first and third, the same. I don't remember who your second was. Did we have the same three? I had an SEC team number two. Uh, SEC, I had Florida. Okay. Then we our number two is not the same, but our number okay. one and our number three is the same. One, our number one, yeah. and I know someone in your family, that two people in your family are not going to like this very much, but I think the ranking of USC is absolutely patently absurd. Absolutely. absolutely. Like So you're telling me that Lincoln Riley is going to go to USC, take some of his coaches and players. Yeah, yeah. Inherit a team with four and eight last year and be better than what they were at Oklahoma last year. That's the thing. Oklahoma hasn't been in the playoff the last two years. Oh, you know, and Oklahoma goes out and gets, I mean, they didn't even have Lincoln Riley didn't coach the bowl game. Bob Stoops did. Right. Right. And so, you know, it's not even like you could say like Oklahoma, you know, finished the year in the top 10. Uh, That's because of what Bob Stoops did. Not because of what Lincoln Riley did, because going into that bowl game, where, where the, I'm trying to look what their ranking was going to the bowl game. Let's see here, where's the schedule? Yeah, they were 16th going into the bowl game. They had climbed up to number four, uh, no, their number they, number eight or number eight in the rankings, and then they got smacked by Baylor, and then they j- fell to 13, barely beat Iowa State, seven and six Iowa State team. Then went to Oklahoma State and lost, fell to, and they were 10th, and they fell to 16. So you're going to tell me he's going to be 10 spots or so higher at USC yeah. than he was at Oklahoma just, just because he took some of the players there and some of the coaches and his best assistant coaches, still in Norman, O-line coach. Yeah. And he inherits a team with a, that went 4-8 and eight last year and lost their best players. That's absurd. Yeah, I just look. Is USC going to be better? No question. But six and six is better. Eight and four is better. Yeah. How much better? To me, that's the difference. And and I just I I think it's insane that that people are predicting USC as a playoff contender. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, they're just not ready in the trenches. No. And you can talk about both sides. Game, the last game of the season. And Notre Dame's going to push them around. Yep. They're going to push them around. But I look into the in the conference. Utah is going to push them around. Mm-hmm. UCLA. You see, Oregon's going to push them around. Yep. There are too many teams that are good on both sides of the ball in the trenches. And I just don't see them running through just being able to line up, especially if he's going to line up. Well, we know he would prefer to run counter all day mm-hmm. and go play action. And like the G raps and the – yeah, right. He would prefer that. He can't do it this year. He, he can't do it. So you got to move people to do that stuff. Yes, and Caleb Williams is probably going to have to throw the ball on average 45 to 50 times a game for USC to have a chance. Once again, defensive side of the ball, defensive line, not stout enough. They what had some talent transfer in at the linebacker position, so the linebackers should be much faster than what they were. They had some injuries. And the recruits over the last two cycles that are really damaged of their depth at the linebacker position. And normally they're able to recruit defensive backs in mm-hmm. the state of California. But they're still they'll have skill. Yes. I mean, and that's why we're not like, oh, they're going to go four and eight again. They're going to have skill. Not yeah. only the guys coming back, but the guys that they brought in as transfers. They're going to have skill. Yeah. This isn't a seven on seven league. Yeah. This is still tackle football. It may not be in 10 years, but for now, it's still tackle football. Yeah. So I just I don't understand I don't understand that obsession that people have yeah. with USC again because it's not even like Oklahoma the last two years has been Oklahoma. I mean Oklahoma has had two back to back perceived down years. Yeah. Now their down years are still like you know nine and two, ten and two, and things like that. But they have they have underachieved the last two yeah. years. Yeah. And I just don't understand why people perceive them the way that they do. And uh, it, it, it really, it's a little mind boggling to be completely honest with you. I mean, they struggled to beat Texas both of the last two years and Texas has been, has stunk the last two years. Yeah. They've struggled against Iowa state the last two years. They have. So I just, I don't understand. I don't under, I don't understand it. Yeah. They lost to Iowa state by a touchdown and that two wins of Iowa state by a touchdown in the last two years. So I just don't understand. This is at Oklahoma. So I, I don't I don't get the – I think Lincoln Riley is a very good, a, a brilliant offensive mind, but he also hasn't proven that he can turn a program around. He inherited a great situation. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, I just I, – I, I think they're vastly overrated. And let's, let's be real. Let's be real. They go to Utah. They go to UCLA. They go to Stanford, a team that dominated them physically last mm-hmm. year. And Stanford was injured, Brian. That wasn't the best Stanford team. Right. They're going to be better. They physically dominated USC last season. Right. That's not an easy win. They go on the road to an improving Oregon State program. 
and then Notre Dame, that's like the, they have the capabilities of losing four to five games easy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and will they? I don't know. But there's, I mean, look, like you said, at Stanford, home against Fresno, at Oregon State. Oregon State's an improving program. That's an improving team. Right. That's Arizona State game at game home. Before. Right. Arizona State and Washington at home should be wins. At Utah. Yes, that's tough. By week at Arizona should be a win, but Arizona's mm-hmm. getting they're getting better. Mm-hmm. Cal at home, Colorado at home should be wins. And then you look at um you look at, at UCLA and Notre Dame. So a team that lacks depth, a team that lacks physicality mm-hmm. is gonna play their two most physical opponents in the last two games of the year. And you know, I just you know, I don't I don't I don't see it. I nine and three at best is usc to me yeah I agree. and that puts him in the top 25 right yeah but you know i just i i i don't see it with usc this year and 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 it wouldn't shock me if they're if they're nine and one and ranked in the top 10 coming into the ucla game i hope they are right you know like oh. i could see them you know losing only to utah and because they, they don't really because we talked about like Oregon State, they're still not very good football teams. No. It's a pretty soft schedule. Yeah, they play Rice non-conference, Fresno non-conference. They don't play Oregon in the regular season. They don't play Washington in the regular season. Although Washington wasn't that good last year, they do play Utah because they're in the South. Yeah, and then they play UCLA and Notre Dame. So I mean, I just I don't I don't see it with USC. Number two, my number two most overrated team, and I think you and I have a difference of opinion on this one. Not that we think that the other is overrated, but just who the number two is. Texas A&M. Yeah, I gave is you the wrong team. Cr- right. You have A&M as well? No. Who did you have at three? Because I, I Michigan. Yes, okay. We did have the same one at three. Yeah. yeah go mm-hmm. ahead. Go ahead. I gave you the wrong two, though. I still gave you the wrong two. Who's your two? North Carolina State. Okay. They're, they're I, I want to hear your thoughts on that. I'm going Texas A&M. Okay. And, and the reason I'm going Texas A&M is because, it, it, again, it's like they are now – they are the new Michigan – for mm-hmm. the pollsters. Remember for like during Harbaugh's tenure, like every year, this is the year that Michigan, you know, make, and I just think it's funny that Michigan made the playoff the one year that they weren't getting any respect going into the season. Right. But there was always this like, Oh, this is the year that Michigan shows up. And it's like last year it was like, you know, Iowa state, North Carolina and, and Texas A&M was a top six. They were, I remember some polls had them like between six to eight last year. One had them at like five of the preseason right. deals and they go eight and four. Because they're oh, but they were nine and one the year before. Okay, nine and one in an SEC only schedule in a year where COVID was just a mess. Mm-hmm. They got smacked by Alabama, barely beat a four loss uh, Florida team, and who else did they beat? Mississippi State, Arkansas, South Carolina, LSU, who stunk. Auburn, Ole Miss game got canceled at Tennessee. Fired their coach. And who do they play? They beat Vanderbilt by five. And then they go to a bowl game and they beat North Carolina by 14, but it was a competitive game. And North Carolina didn't have De'Ami Brown. They didn't have Michael Carter. They didn't have Javante Williams. And they didn't have uh, Chaz Surratt. I mean, Sam Howell was the only top player for North Carolina that played in that game. And they still couldn't really blow them out the way they did. Yeah. So they were overrated at number five. So then they're a preseason top 10 team coming into this year. And they go eight and four. And it was, a, in my opinion, in an embarrassing eight and four, to be honest with you. You know, they have the big win, and they beat Bama. You beat Bama and went eight and four. Yeah. You know, and and barely beat Colorado, who's garbage. 
you got smacked by Arkansas, and that Arkansas game was only a 10-point game because the quarterback got hurt. K.J. Jefferson got knocked out in the second half. And then Arkansas just stopped, just started handing the ball off. And the ball off. You lost at home to Mississippi freaking State. You lost to Ole Miss on the road by 10. And then you got beat by freaking LSU who had already fired their head football coach. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just like, oh, but 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 they beat Bama. Woo! <laughs> you know? So I just – I don't get it. Uh, I don't see this as a top 10 team. No. I don't think they're a top 15 team. No. Th- and then they also lost some pretty good flipping players to the NFL. And in Jimbo's four years at Texas A&M, he's lost at least four games in all but the COVID year. And, and as I said, Sean, they lo- and, and the other thing we're not talking about is they lost Mike Elko. Too. I mean, that's the thing is Mike Elko's gone. And he was part of the reason they were even as good as they were, in my opinion. And so I just I do not get they lost Kenyon Green was a first round pick. The Marvin Lell Leal was a third round pick. Michael Clemens. They lost two of their starting defensive linemen, and they lost Isaiah Spiller, who's a fourth round pick. So I, I mean a bunch of freshman defensive linemen are gonna come in and replace those two studs, no. and you're gonna be better than this year. No. You know, you're you're gonna take a kid that transferred in from LSU, couldn't stay healthy and could barely win the job there, and and that's your answer quarterback when you couldn't even, you know, I just I think A and M's incredibly overrated. Overrated, incredibly overrated. I and I think Alabama is gonna absolutely murder them this year. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't think that game, Sean, is gonna be competitive. And and I think their schedule is tougher than than I think their schedule is going to be challenging as well. And and let me just quickly go through their schedule. They play Miami at home. That's not going to be a cakewalk. No. They play Arkansas in Dallas, like or in in Arlington in the Cowboys home. But at Mississippi State, at Alabama, that's four of their that's four that's four straight games, Sean. They play Sam Houston at the start. It's a really good FCS team, but they'll they'll kill them. They play App State at home. They play Miami at home. Arkansas neutral field at Mississippi State, Alabama. That's the start to their season. Then they get a bye week. Then they're at South Carolina, who's getting better. Got Spencer Rattler. Then they have Ole Miss at home, Florida at home, at Auburn, home against UMass, and then home against LSU. That's pretty tough. That's not an easy schedule, and they're yeah. gonna they're gonna go ten and two, eleven and one against that. Yeah, no. Not happening. Not happening. Yeah. I'm going back and forth. I said NC State. So let's hear the reason why for NC State. Cause I because I'm because I'm I have some thoughts on NC State. I want to hear your thoughts on why my thoughts are they're like top 15, 20, like everybody's top 15, 20. Maybe might win the ACC this year. Yeah. But their departures remind me of what North Carolina lost. And Sam Howe came back and he was pretty much by himself in that offense. And he struggled early and then kind of righted the ship. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Devin Leary is kind of going to. He's not going to have that left tackle, right? He's not going to have both of his running backs. And everything's going to be on his shoulders. And I think early on they might lose a game that they're not expected to lose. And they might – and I mean, the expectations for North Carolina State are probably, what, 10-2? and two. 
Yeah, I mean, you've got Sean, you got people having them as like a top 15 to like, I've seen 13, I've seen 15, yeah. I've seen 19. Yeah. It like somewhere around there. I mean, I just I just worry about Devin Leary having to do too much. Yeah. Early on. So I like what you're saying because you're not saying you think he's overrated because I love Devin. No, 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 not at all. But he's just not a guy that can just put a team on his shoulders. Yeah. We saw that with Sam Howell last year, Sean. Exactly. I mean, he can't do that. I mean, yeah. like that was that's your point. That's the yeah. point you made. Is like yeah. we saw what happened when Sam Howell lost all those weapons, and he could put that the team around him wasn't good enough for him to put him on his shoulders. He's not Lamar. Yeah. Right. And, and they'll get better. And by the middle of the season, okay. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure early on. And their schedule's not super easy either. No. They start at ECU, which is not a cakewalk. No. They have Texas Tech at home. They play at Clemson, home against Florida State, not going to be easy. At Syracuse, Syracuse is an ascending team in my opinion. Home against Virginia Tech, home against Wake Forest, no cakewalk. Home against BC, no cakewalk. At Louisville, at North Carolina. There's a lot That's of losable it. games. Those four weeks from yeah. Wake Forest to uh, North Carolina. North Carolina. That's because I think Wake Forest is. I would take Wake Forest right now. Even it, even with it being at NC State, yeah, I would take Wake Forest right now. I think North Carolina by the middle of the season. I think Notre Dame is catching North Carolina at the right part of the yeah. season, which is early yeah. on. Yeah, you I and think, I agree on that. Yeah, because they were a young team last year. I think they're going to be even. They better. were overrated last year. They're being a little underrated. They're underrated this year, this year. Yeah. absolutely. That's like you said. That's a tough I think question. I feel the the way you feel about Wake is the way I feel about Boston College. That game, okay. I, I that game against Boston College. Let me say this about NC State. I love Devin Leary. He is I, I just he's a winner. Yeah. My biggest concern with NC State is more about Dave Doran. Mm. He just has not shown me he had he can put he can string back to back good seasons together. That's and yeah. and it's years when the team is kind of expected to be good is when he's had some issues. Yeah. Like it's almost kind of like he play he he's better when the expectations aren't high. Yeah. And they're going to be high this year. I mean, this no consistency. It's like three and nine, eight and five, seven and six, seven and six, nine and four, nine and four, four and eight, eight and four, and then and then nine and three last year. Yeah, you know, and, and yeah, I I think they have the talent to be a top twenty team again. Oh yes, I but I just that. don't have a lot of faith in Dave Doran. Yeah, that that's where I'm with you yeah. on that one. He's yeah. got to show me he can string together back to back years because I would argue his 2018 team was disappointing. I mean, they went nine and four, but I would argue they were they were a disappointing nine and four. Yeah, that year. I mean, that they, they they the schedule was set to where they should have been better than that. I mean, they lost at Clemson. You expect that? Lost to A and M in a bowl game. Got embarrassed. Lost at home to Wake Forest. Lost at Syracuse by ten. Yeah, their other wins were James Madison, Georgia State, Marshall, Virginia at home, who wasn't good that year. BC at home wasn't good that year. Florida State at home wasn't good that year. Uh, this is this is 2018. That's the year that Notre Dame destroyed yeah. Florida State at home when this game Ian got hurt. Uh, won at Louisville in 2018. They weren't that good that year. Beat North Carolina on the road. They weren't that good that year, and it beat East Carolina. So, I mean, North Carolina, if you remember, 18, they were two and nine. That was the Larry Fedora coach team. Yeah. So they went nine and four, but that was a very unimpressive nine and four. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they were expected to be better. And so I just I just don't have a lot of faith in Dave Dorn. And I even think his best team, the 17 team, underachieved when you consider the talent they had on that football team. 
Yeah. I mean, you had Ricky Parson at running back. Yeah. You had your entire, you had a, you had defensive linemen that didn't even start on that team that got, that, that yep. played in the NFL. Yep. Your entire starting D line was fourth round or higher. You had a, a starting middle linebacker that's now starting middle linebacker for the Super Bowl runners up, Jermaine Pratt. Right. You had NFL players a lot, of, and you were oh. nine and four. Yeah. You know, so, so I just, I, I'm not a huge Dave Dorn fan as a coach. I just don't think he's, I don't think he's been able to kind of, I mean, oh, and, and your quarterback is Ryan Finley. Yeah. Who's a good quarterback. Good quarterback. So I'm sorry. I said, Ricky, um, I said, uh, I meant, I meant Naeem Hines is who I, and Jalen Samuels is who I meant to say they had a running back. I said, Ricky, um, Ricky person, that's what I'm referring to. So anyway, Sean, I, I think NC State's my second. And then Michigan's my third because I'm seeing a lot of Michigan in the top 10 stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah. You sum it up because I yeah. I think Michigan's season this last year was very fluky, number one. I think they had a lot of games you look at and say, I just don't know if that's repeatable. Yeah. You know what I felt about last year's team, Sean? And I mean this as a compliment to Michigan. This is not meant to be an insult to Michigan. Michigan's football team last year reminded me a lot of Notre Dame's 2012 football team in that yes. they were a good running team, great mm-hmm. line play, had some high-level players on the on the defensive line, good skill but not great skill, won a lot of close games. Some of the teams on your schedule weren't as good as you thought they were going to be. You know, like like Michigan beating Washington early was a lot like Notre Dame's beating Michigan State early that year. Remember, Michigan State was like preseason top ten, and and you know they ended up being like seven and six that year. But Michigan last year beat Rutgers by a touchdown. Should have lost to Nebraska. Uh, lost to Michigan State. Struggled against Penn State. Should have lost that game. Great, great finish to the year, right? A, a yeah. lot like Notre Dame did that year. Once they kind of gained some confidence, you know, beat Ohio State, great win, beat beat Iowa, great win, and then they go to a postseason game. I view those two wins as kind of like beating Stanford and Oklahoma yeah. in 2012, right? Stanford was every bit as good as Ohio State was last year as a team, yeah. you know, as top five-ish kind of team. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame beats them. I think that Ohio Michigan's win was more convincing than Notre Dame's, but that's also because Stanford – had a much better defense than Ohio State had. Beating Iowa was a lot like beating Oklahoma that year, right? Yeah. Beating Iowa in the in the conference championship game. And then they go play Georgia, and they just prove they don't belong. And then now you're going into this year, the recruiting at Michigan in recent seasons has been very disappointing. So I don't think they're going to be able to just reload the way that people think that they will. You know, losing Aiden Hutchison and David Ajabo, there's not natural replacements to to, to do that, and and no. that's kind of what Notre Dame went through in 2013, when they went from national runners up to nine and four. You know, lost Manti didn't have a natural replacement for him. You know, lost uh, you know, lost um, Zach. Mar- no, they didn't lose Zach Moore. I'm trying to think. Lost Zeke Mata. You lost Manti. You lost Cap. You didn't have a natural replacement for him because your recruiting was so thin. Um, th- th- to me, that team just lost lost Theo, yeah, lost Sierra, you know, just lost some really important pieces to that team. Kavari was there; he was still young. You just you just didn't have the same recipe, yeah, right. 
in some of those games you were winning in close games you lost the next year because you were you were winning a lot of it was let's be honest smoke and mirrors right and so you know i just you had this the offseason injury to stefan with the hernia so he was never the same player they just lost some really important pieces to that football team sean and I think when you look at Michigan, I would argue they even have less impact players coming back because at least Notre Dame still had Eifert coming back. You had Zach Martin coming back in 2013. You know, you still had Chris Watt coming back. You know, you still had Lewis Nix coming back. Yep. You know, you still had some guys coming back from that football team. And I just don't know if I could say that Michigan has that, you know, and, and so, it. yeah. And, and, it. You know, you, you, they're going to hang their hat. They're going to hang more slaughter. Uh, Zeke, Theo, Manti, yeah. Tyler. Oh, they did lose Tyler Eifert off that 2012 team. That's another yeah. one. That, I couldn't remember if they lost Tyler or not from the 2012 team. They lost him too. Sorry, my apologies. Continue with what you're saying. No, I'm just saying Michigan, they're going to hang their hat on their offense. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, they lost both coordinators as well. Right. That's a whole other thing. Yep. And Will McNamara hold off right. the charge, you know, to, to keep the quarterback position? I will say they have those quick athletes that are mm-hmm. good with the ball in their hands. Yeah, especially with Ronnie Bell coming back. Ronnie Bell, right. A.J. Henning. They Mike have Coburn. Mike uh, Coburn, yeah. yeah. They have two or three of those guys that can make their offense dangerous to cover. And, you know, it'll be about their offensive line and whether mm-hmm. or not they can be dominant. But like you said, just overall talent. They lost, they lost Dax Hill on the back end. That's, they lost three first-round picks. Look, yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, David Ajabo was a second-round pick in the same fashion in that Jalen Smith was a second-round pick. Yeah. It was because of an injury that happened after the fact. Jalen right. was in the last game of the year. Ajabo's was in prep work. Right. David Ajabo is a top-15 pick most likely if he doesn't injure his knee. And Dax was a first round pick. Aiden Hutchins was number two overall. They had, they lost three first round picks from that from that defense, right? In my opinion, like first round talents. Let me yeah. phrase that. They didn't lose three first round picks because he wasn't picked. Right. They lost three first round talents from that defense. And Hassan Haskins losing him is being is is being is not getting enough credit because of Donovan Edwards. And I like Donovan Edwards, but Hassan Haskins was a was a physical beast the second half last year. Dependable. Power like and runner. he just, I mean, he yeah. like yeah, the line played great, but you had him just hammering yeah. Ohio yeah. State in that game. Thanks for the super chat, by the way, K Grant. Really, really appreciate that. But I agree with you. I think Michigan's overrated. And again, is Michigan going to suck? No, they're not going to suck. I mean, the reality is, is their schedule is so soft that that alone could get them, you know, a little a little higher ranked. I think than they than they than they should be. To be honest right. with you. Because I mean they're non-conference, Sean. I mean it's it's embarrassing for Michigan to have have this as their non-conference. A team that's all for years, for decades, has played good, great you know, non-conference schedule. Yeah. yeah, this is their non-conference schedule: Colorado, all at home, Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn. They don't play Wisconsin. Yeah, this is their schedule. Those three teams, and they have Maryland at home, at Iowa, at Indiana. Home against Penn State by home against Michigan State at Rutgers, home against Nebraska, home against Illinois at Ohio State. So their schedule's not super tough, but they're yeah. going to lose at Iowa, I think. Yeah. 
They're going to lose at Ohio State. And then between between Nebraska, Michigan State, and Penn State at home, they're going to lose at least one of those games. Yeah, That gets them to 9-3 and three against a crap schedule. That's not a top-10 team. People are talking about them being a top-10 team. They won't be. And Ohio State is going to flat-out destroy Michigan this year. Oh, they're they're chomping at the bit to get back in Michigan. Yeah. Chomping at the bit. Yeah. And and the thing is, the reason I say that, it's not just, oh, it's payback time. That's not how really football works. It's that's part of it. It's because it's because they lost their best athlete in the secondary. Yep. And they lost the two pass rushers that negated their speed. You're not going to have those guys this year. Nope. That pass rusher is going to hit home like it did last year, which means you're going to have to cover longer than you did last year. And that's not a good recipe. No. And and I don't think Ohio State's going to be any great shakes on defense this year. They're going to be better than what they were last year. And unlike the Notre Dame matchup, because I'm going to say things about that matchup that are going to sound a lot different than what I'm going to say about the Notre Dame-Ohio State matchup. But the difference is game one versus game 12 in that system. There's a difference. And so that's the other reason too. So that's that's my third overrated team, Sean. I think nine and three is the best that they can do. And against that schedule, nine and three is not going to be that great. No, and I wouldn't be good. completely shocked if if they're eight and four. All right. I wouldn't be completely your, shocked. You're overrated. I mean, you're underrated squads. Same conference. Yep. My number one underrated team this year is, well, yeah, my first underrated team. I don't know if they're my number one. I, I, I'd have to think about the one and two. But the first one is Penn State. And, and I don't normally say that because Penn State's normally very overrated, in yes. my opinion. Yes. But – and this is also partly in reaction to kind of some things that were said on our show this week. I I don't I think Penn State it, it has been weird the last two years. They're eleven and eleven in the last two years. They have been a very strange team, and and you know Sean Clifford's not a great quarterback by any stretch, but I feel like he is a kid that when he is healthy and right, they win. And and when I look at Penn State the last couple of years, and I look at for example last year. You know, you go on the road and you beat Wisconsin to start the year off. It's a good win. You beat Auburn at home. That was a good win. They beat Villanova, beat Cincinnati 24-0, and they are smoking Iowa in the first half of that game. It was like it was like 20 to 3 or something like that, right? Right. And Sean Clifford gets hurt. And Iowa comes all the way back. And I mean, Penn State couldn't complete a pass in that game. They end up losing 23-20. They get a bye week. And then Clifford comes back against Illinois, but he's not 100% or anywhere close to it. And they lose it home to Illinois. And then the next week at Ohio State, they give Ohio State a game. Then they smack Maryland, lose a very close competitive game to Ohio State, smack Rutgers, and then lose a really close game at Michigan State. So they lost at Iowa, who was a Big Ten championship game representative. They lost at a 10-win Michigan State team by three. Yep. They lost by three to Iowa, by three to Iowa. Lost by nine to Ohio State in a very competitive game. Lost by four at home to Michigan, who was a playoff team, and then they lost in nine overtimes to Illinois. They were a really quality, and then their wins for the most part were not close, right? I mean, you know, they had a close one over Wisconsin, close one over Auburn, blew up Villanova, blew up Indiana, blew up Rutgers, blew up Maryland, you know, blew up Ball State teams they should have. And they've got some really good players coming back on defense. They lost some guys. Getting Sean Clifford back and healthy, losing to Jahan, Jahan Dotson is going to hurt. Yeah. I like Parker Washington. I like Keandre and Lambert. And last year, one of the things that hurt them last year is their running backs were garbage. <laughs> Nicholas Singleton is going to take over that job day one. 
I mean, they get the best running back in the country, in my opinion, yeah. coming in this year. Arguably the best running back in the country, Nicholas Singleton, who's going to add a lot to that run game. Now their number one and number two backs last year can now maybe become complementary players is what they should be. Yeah. So I think, and, and they've got a good tight end. I think this is going to be a quality football team. I really do. I think they're being underrated. I've seen a lot of rankings. Don't even have them in the top 25, which I understand based on the last two years, yeah, they two have years, not yeah. been a good team the last two years, but uh, you know, but, I'm either go- and I'm going to be proven right or wrong by the third game of the year <laughs> because their season starts at Purdue, home against Ohio, and at Auburn. That their first game isn't easy. That no. first game is not easy. If they're two and one coming out of that, then I think I'm going to be proven correct. But but they have the thing about Penn State is they're the opposite of Michigan. They have a really challenging schedule. Yeah. And they play uh, at Michigan, home against Minnesota, home against Ohio State, at Indiana, home against Maryland, at Rutgers, home against Michigan State. They they don't have an easy schedule, but I just think people are not giving them enough respect this year. I, I think I think Penn State's got a chance to surprise some people this year, Sean. What what, what who who's your top underrated? Penn State. Team? We agree on Penn State. Okay. After Penn State, I went with. I just think, man. I think their defense will be much better. They return a lot of starters on offense. BYU is going to be a challenge offensively because they're a physical team. And that matchup with Utah is one I'm going to watch early in the season. I'm going to love to watch that game because it's mm-hmm. going to be a physical game. Offensive line is huge. They love to run the ball. They have a few playmakers that I'm looking forward to see if they can take the next step. I think BYU is underrated, and I think they're going to end up being a top 20 team. I think they're going to be end up being a top 15, top 20 team. And then Tennessee. Right. Real quick last. about BYU. Real yeah. quick about BYU. You and I's number one team, or not, like or the, the my, my number one, your number two, yeah. are in a very similar situation in that we're going to know right away. Right away, if, yes. If we're correct, because – after playing South Florida in the first game, they play home against Baylor and at Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> if they split those games and, and the loss is competitive, then I'm going to – because they're going to beat Wyoming. They're going to beat Utah. They're going to lose to Notre Dame. But then they, they're home against Arkansas. I think it's a winnable game. So, to you know, to your point uh, – It's a tough yeah, schedule. Yeah. If, if they can – if they can, and if they somehow are able to win both of those games – Yeah. You know, That's I – That's kind of like – um Similar to what Cincinnati did, when you know you kind of project when your team is going to be good, right? And you stack the schedule, right? To give your team a chance to be considered for the playoff, and that's what BYU has done. Yeah, yeah. So you said your third team is uh, my my second team is Boston College. Okay. I think Boston College being vastly underrated this year. I don't yeah. think people are giving enough credit to what they looked like when Phil Dracovic played. Mm-hmm. Even the version of Phil Dracovic that was clearly not even close to 100% late in the year. Yeah, They were 4-2 and two last year with him as their starting quarterback. I saw one ranking that had them in the 60s and another that had them even lower than that. Uh, Lindy's has them at like 39. I, I would even, I would say that's about that to me would be the floor. I think Boston college is going to be a much better football team than people think that they're going yeah. to be. 
Yeah. I think when you look at them last year, they went six and six last year. They were two and zero in, in crushing teams. They didn't play anybody any good first two yeah. games. Yeah. And then beat Missouri in overtime. And that's kind of when teams figured out, okay, here's how you beat them without Phil Jakovic. Mm-hmm. They lost a close game to, to Clemson. And then that's when the wheels kind of fell off. Lost yeah. at Syracuse. He comes back. They beat Virginia Tech. They beat Georgia at Georgia Tech. Then they lose to to back to back games to Florida State and Wake Forest. So they didn't finish well. But they went four and two with Phil as the starting quarterback. And so I, I think they're going to be better this year. I think their schedule is not easy, but it, it kind of you know home against Rutgers at Virginia Tech, home against Maine at Florida State, home against Louisville, home against Clemson. I'm not going to be shocked if they upset Clemson this year. And we'll we'll get to that in a second. At Wake Forest, that's going to be tough. Home against at UConn, home against Duke, at NC State, at Notre Dame, home against Syracuse. So that's a very challenging schedule. But to me, that's going to keep them from being a top 25 team, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But I still wouldn't be surprised because they've got some dudes on that football team. Yeah. And that's what I don't think they're going to – and Jeff Hafley is a very good football coach. Mm-hmm. And they and the, the big thing, too, is with all the coaching turnover this year, he was able to keep his defensive coordinator. Right. That was huge. And then John McNulty was a solid hire. That's yeah. a good hire for them, in my opinion. So as long as the old line can get figured out, I, look, they got a thousand yard running back comeback. They got one of the better receivers in the country coming back. George getting George tackles was huge. Jalen Gill comes back, and then Phil comes back. Yeah. I think BC is going to be a much better team than people think. Having them in the 60s seems insane to me. Yeah. You know, like so I think now, do I think they're going to be a top 15 team? No, because their schedule is just too hard, in right. my opinion. And then and they still don't have enough talent on defense. That's the I, I like their defensive coordinator. He's a good young coach. He wasn't my pick for Notre Dame. He was one of the finalists for Notre Dame. He wasn't my choice. Right. Because I just think he needs a little bit more seasoning in that role, you yeah. know. Um, but he's done a nice job there with not a lot of talent the last couple of years. Like the athletes at BC now are not what they were when Don Brown was there. I mean, no. they don't have NFL players. They used to have NFL players on defense. John Jackson, Harold, Land, you know Harold Perkins, Harold Perkins, Harold Landry, Harold Landry you know uh, J- uh, the Allen kid, right? The other defensive end that they had, they had NFL guys. This yeah. team, this team last year didn't have NFL guys on defense. But it's getting a little bit better. Yeah, you know, and and he's a good coach. So I think that was that was important as well. Who's your number three underrated team? You said Tennessee, Tennessee right? Tennessee. I just yeah. love what Josh Heupel did in developing Hendon Hooker last year. The offense is going to get better. You were the first one to point this out to me when I had all the love for Georgia last year. And you were like, Sean, you need to go watch that Tennessee game because schematically, Hype will figure some things out to attack that secondary that no one else had done. Right. And, and that was with won- a depleted receiving That was with a depleted receiving record, which they've upgraded that through recruiting and the transfer portal. They have some, some difference makers, and they've improved their offensive line. Look, they played Georgia tough pretty much into the third quarter. They beat Kentucky. It's a super tough team. They should have beaten Pitt in their first game. They really mm-hmm. had control of that game mm-hmm. until a couple of turnovers and Pitt eventually won and Pitt went on to win the ACC. They had a tough schedule, and I think they showed themselves well. If that defense can improve, because you saw the shootout they had with Purdue in the bowl game. They can score. Yeah, They're going to score. It's all about that defense and whether or not the recruits they've had over the last two seasons, whether or not they can come in and, and, and improve enough to get to nine wins and maybe challenge for that SEC East. 
Because like I said, they gave Georgia a decent game. Now they have to go to Georgia this year, so that's it's a little different animal. A little different. That's a little different beast. But that Georgia defense, I don't think I don't anticipate the Georgia defense being as stout. Now they still no. have athletes. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. They're still gonna be really good, but yeah. there's top two good, and then there's yeah. top like I thought Georgia had the best defense in the country last year. What yeah. I've said is they get too much hype is people want to make it out to like this generational you know, all time great. And I just didn't think it was that That, that's, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So Tennessee, in my opinion, has an opportunity to be that second team in the SEC, SEC East. For me, my, with Tennessee, it's going to be, it's going to be about the defense. It's going to be about can, can Tim Banks get that defense? I was just looking to see how many starters they come, they got coming back. And they actually have a lot of starters coming back on defense, which is important. Because they were super inconsistent last year on defense. Yeah. You yeah. know, like at times they're like, okay, they're figuring it out. And then at other times you're like, uh-uh. But like you said, Sean, they had some games you're like that they lost that you're like, boy, they could have beat Purdue in the bowl game, right? I mean, you know, gave could have beat Pitt, you know, could have beat Ole Miss. You know, I just think they wore down, and that's when some of the injuries they had. Their their issue, the only concern I have about Tennessee, Sean, and and, and I agree with everything you said. The only concern I have is is similar to you know, one I have about other teams of coaches who are in year one and two, but didn't inherit a great situation. So like Marcus Freeman, what he inherited is a lot different than what Josh Heupel inherited, right? And and what Lincoln Riley is inheriting. And the only issue I have with Tennessee is still depth. Like last year they showed they couldn't afford injuries last year. They just didn't have the depth of talent last year. Are they better yet? I, I don't know. But you look at their schedule, like you said, it's it's a it's a it's a challenging schedule. I mean, they get they get LSU and Alabama both in crossover games, which is naughty. They always get Alabama because it's it's one of their rivals. But you know, you get Kentucky at home, you get Missouri at home, you get Florida at home. I think that's the biggest thing for Tennessee is the fact that you know the 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 like to me they play at Georgia. That's a lot. This is like almost one of those years, years where you're you're glad you're playing Georgia at Georgia because you're probably going to lose to them anyway. Yeah, you know, just just my opinion, but. What about the next group of teams? You get the next three best teams in your division. You get them all at home. All at home, yeah. You know, so, you know, maybe South Carolina is a little better this year. I mean, they're a bit of a dark horse for me. I just – I got to see it with Spencer Rattler. I just, you know, I need to see it first. But I do like what Shane Beamer's doing. But, but I mean, Kentucky get at home. Missouri get at home. Florida get at home. And that's that's going to be the key. And I think they're going to beat Pitt in the second game. I yeah. do. I mean, Pitt lost way too much yeah. from last year's team, in my opinion. So I, I like Tennessee. I don't have Tennessee as underrated, or because I think that they're 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 you know um, they're ranked like what twenty yeah. in most twenties, thirty yeah. where they look. I just think they can sneak up if they get one big win, and I'm not even saying if they beat Georgia, the big win would probably be against Florida. Because I think Florida beat them pretty handedly last year. Yeah. Um, Florida beat them they beat 38 14 at Florida. Yeah. That was yeah. before the wheels came off for Florida. Right. Yeah. See, and... what's that rivalry looking like right now? And now the problem is Tennessee did lose some guys, though, but getting Hook, Hendon Hooker back was was key. It's really key. See what the, I'm going to look and see what the recent history is like for Florida and Tennessee. Oh, I'm sure it's heavy Florida. Yeah, I would imagine so. Florida has won every game since 2016. So they've won five straight and they've won. I mean, Tennessee beat them in 04 
since then, beginning in 05, Florida has beaten Tennessee in every year except for 2016. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I I think that would be that would be and, and Sean, so so to, to your and point, I think that's the main SEC East rival. But I think this is right? the point that, that that I think is great that you're making is if they beat Pitt in game two. Mm-hmm. Cause like my thing, my thing is I don't think they're, un, they're underrated because I think, you know, they're kind of between like 20 to 26. Yeah. And I think that's about fair, but here's, here's what I'll say. If they beat Pitt on the road, which I think they will, if they beat that Florida game is early, that's their Stanford 2012. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the, the, the giant they haven't been able to slay. That's Good not point. named Bama. Right. Right. And then they get a bye week and then they're at LSU they could easily be five and zero oh, yeah. going to play Bama yeah. at home. Yeah. So let's say they lose that game. They're still five and one. They're going to be top fifteen. Then they get UT Martin at home, Kentucky at home, before they got to go at Georgia. And then after Georgia, they finish. They round out with Missouri at home, winnable, at South Carolina and at Vanderbilt. That's a possible ten and two schedule, right two there, Sean, yeah. Which would make yeah. them a top ten to fifteen team, which yeah. then would make them underrated of people that have them outside the top twenty five. So Absolutely. that Florida game is going to be Florida LSU back to back with the buy in between mm-hmm. to me to define their season. Yep. If they can win both of those games, Sean, then you're gonna, we're going to look back and be like, man, Sean nailed that one. He had Tennessee underrated. They went ten and two, and depending on what happens to Georgia, I mean, ten and two, you know could have them kind of going into some late season games thinking, gee, if Kentucky can pull off this upset, maybe we got a chance to, you know, it's unlikely, but at least tie for the division league because then Georgia would win the head to head, but it's going to be interesting. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. My third pick is Minnesota. Mm. I, they're my sleeper team in the West this year. And, you know, I, I, you know, I don't, I'm not a huge PJ Fleck fan. I think PJ Fleck's a really good football coach for that level. But that, that's my thing with PJ, that he's at the level he should be at, Minnesota. Yeah. I, I think that they are going to have one of the best, like after Ohio State, right? So clearly the best quarterback running back tandem in the Big Ten is is the one in Ohio State, C.J. Stroud and Travion Henderson. After that, you could make a strong case that Minnesota has the best quarterback running back tandem coming back because if Mo Ibrahim doesn't get hurt in the opener last year, he's in the NFL right now. Yeah. And, you know, he got hurt early enough to where I don't think it's going to impact him this year. He got hurt in the opener. But they were working Ohio State. He was working Ohio State (laughs) before he got hurt. Yes. 
I think that number one, Minnesota doesn't play Ohio State or Michigan in in, in the crossover. Right. And they and they play at Penn State and at Michigan State, which isn't easy, but losing Mike Sanford was a huge benefit. They brought back Kirk Siriaka, I think is how you say his name, from Penn State. He's the guy that helped build them up to that 11-2 team. He left to go to Penn State, which was dumb, and now he's yeah. back. Yeah. And and he's a much more balanced guy. He's actually he's a real offensive coordinator. Yep. And and they you, lost a lot. You, you are sly, boy. <laughs> You're good. You're good. You're good. All I right. caught at least three. So, uh, we don't need to talk about why Colorado is going to suck this year. Um, but uh, they got Tanner Morgan's back for his ninth year, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, sixth year. They've got two of their top three receivers are coming back. They Mm -hmm. lost a lot on the O line, that's the only thing that gives me concern. They lost four starters in the offensive line, but they've got a good O line coach. I think they'll be fine. I I didn't know a lot about Joe Rossi last year, but when he was considered a candidate for the Notre Dame job, I watched a lot of film. The last thing he's a good football coach. Mm-hmm. And when I look at Minnesota, Sean, they got a lot coming back from their football team. They've got seven starters, five starters coming back on the offense. But again, a lot of that's the O line. Almost all their skill comes back. Defensively, they bring back six starters, a lot in the secondary. They've got some good, some good young recruits they've landed that are emerging. I think they've upgraded their coaching aspects of it. And because they were so woefully undercoached last year, it was like embarrassing. Yeah. And kudos to PJ Fleck for quickly recognizing the mistake that he made. And again, that's the sign of a, of a, of a good football coach is can you, can you recognize, right. Can you recognize when you made a mistake? It took him probably a year longer than it should have to recognize that Mike Sanford wasn't the guy, but he, recognize it and he moved on yeah and so you know and you look at their team last year they lost to bowling green by four mm-hmm. they lost to illinois by eight they lost to iowa by five and they lost ohio state by 14 in the game they were winning when mo ibrahim got hurt got hurt yeah they were not far off from being a better football team than they were last year and then they beat west virginia bowl game so i'm looking at this and i'm and i'm seeing minnesota went went nine and four last year who did they and, beat in the bowl game again? Uh, West Virginia, 18 to 6. They, they beat Wisconsin by 10. They blasted Indiana, blasted Northwestern, blasted mm-hmm. Maryland, beat Nebraska, who was, the, like, as we said, was the best three and nine team in the history of college football, beat Purdue at Purdue, blasted Colorado, and beat Miami of Ohio. They're nine and four, and Lindy's has them ranked 56th. Yeah. And I'm like, hold on a second. Like, Nine and four schedule's not easy, but it's oh, it's you've got New Mexico State at home, Western Illinois at home, Colorado at home, dear lord, uh, at Michigan State. I'm I'm not super sold on Michigan State. That's going to be the first test for me and my theory about Minnesota. Then you're home against Purdue at Illinois. There's a pretty good chance they're at worst five and one heading to Penn State, mm-hmm. maybe six and zero oh. at Penn State. That's an L to me. Then you come back home against Rutgers at Nebraska is going to be a challenge. So, and then you're, you're, you start to you finish the season off with home games against Northwestern and Iowa. And then at Wisconsin, that's a nine, that's a potential nine and three year right there. Eight. It you is. know what I mean? It is. And that's way better than 56th in my opinion. 
So, like, that's a borderline top 25 football team right there. Yeah. And they're not getting a lot of love. So you have to know that I believe what I'm telling you for me to put P.J. Fleck and James Franklin in my underrated list. Yeah. But I really think that that Minnesota is going to be a is is going to be a, a quality team this year. Yeah, I do. Iowa offensively, I think is going to continue to struggle. They yeah. lose their big game guys, special teams. They made a lot of plays offensively on reverses yeah. and yeah. screen passes. The secondary won't be as good, in my opinion. I mean, they're usually good in the trenches. That's who Iowa is. That's their identity. Mm-hmm. And then but losing the they, center doesn't help. No, no. And then. A really good center, like <laughs> an elite center, first and, round draft pick at center. Yeah, right. and you know Wisconsin is Wisconsin. Right, I expect Paul Chris to have them ready, and they will be a good team. Jim Leonard's going to have a good defense. Yep, solid front seven, but they lost a lot at linebacker. So that that Big Ten West is going to be interesting. And I think Nebraska is a is. I didn't even look to see where Nebraska was because they could be my other one. Um, I could see Nebraska being a sleeper because they played Ohio State tough. They they impressed me in the trenches. They're 48th here, which they went three and nine last year, and they got in the top just, 50. Right? They just didn't have a quarterback, and they didn't have right. the guys outside. They got to prove it to me. But yeah. I could see them being a factor in that. The point, my point was, I could see them being a factor in this in the race in, 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 in yeah, this thing as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. So. Yep. We just don't know what to say about Clemson. Well, sleeper team. We're going to do that before Clemson. Who's oh, yeah, your sleeper yeah. team? Who's your team that maybe is even ranked in the top 25 that you're not going to say underrated? Because, like, for me, I'll give mine. Yeah. Mine's Texas. Right. And the reason I'm going with Texas my sleeper team is because I could see Texas not being very good. But I could also see all the things kind of working together, and they're really good. Yeah. And win the Big 12. Now, I don't think they're a playoff team, but you know, I think that I think that Texas is a team that I'm not willing to say they're underrated because they still have a lot of question marks for me. But Texas is a team to me that I'm that I'm like if the, the I'm not a look I'm not a Quinn Ewers guy. I think Quinn Ewers is a pretty overrated recruit. If I'm going to yeah. be completely honest with you, yeah, you know, people talking about you know oh generational this and that. And no, he's not that guy. But he's not terrible either. And he's going to have one of the most explosive receivers in the country to throw to. They the receiving core as a whole is going to be is going to be pretty decent, in my yeah. opinion. You got Xavier Worthy who's coming back. He'll be a sophomore. You've got Jordan Worthy, who's a nice player. Isaiah Nayer. You've got some other weapons at receiver. You got one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the country, coming back in Bijan Robinson. They return three starters on the offensive line. They just signed one of the best offensive line classes in the country. It's not like seven or eight guys. Yeah. A couple of them are capable of playing as freshmen. And Kyle Flood's one of the best line coaches in the country. And so when I look at Texas, I see a team that just didn't know how to win last year. Like, you look at their game, Sean. What they finished five and seven? Is, isn't that what they were last year? They five and dominated, seven? They dominated Oklahoma early. Right. Choke. They didn't know how to win. Yeah. They lost. Uh, they they blew out T- uh, Texas Tech. I mean, they were they were five and four and one at one point. Then they choked the game away to Oklahoma. They blew the a fourth quarter lead twice against Oklahoma State. Lost to Baylor by a touchdown. Lost to Kansas in overtime. 
and lost at West Virginia by eight. They just didn't know how to win. Yeah. But they could have won. There was only one game last year they couldn't have won. And that yeah. they got blown out by who it was like some weird Iowa State smacked yeah. them. They had a chance to win every other game that they played in. Yep. I agree. The reason I'm not ready to say they're underrated, because I could see them being a top 10 team by the year's end. But the reason I'm not ready to go there yet and say they're underrated, underrated and more as a sleeper team is because I don't know if C. Sarkeesian can fix that. Yeah. He wasn't yeah. exactly a, a world beater at Washington. And they were seven and six, eight and five, pretty much every year. He's never shown me he can be a guy that can get that team to that level as a head coach, offensive coordinator, different story. Yeah. And so it's just, it's more of a question mark. But if Sarkeesian has learned from his USC Washington days and has that team kind of can get that team to know how to win, mm-hmm. that's a, that's the most, to me, the best roster in the, in the Big 12, top to bottom. And he's put together a pretty good coaching staff. <laughs> I agree. So that's my sleeper team. I'm not ready to say they're underrated yet because I they got a lot to prove to me. But if if the if the pieces all fit and he push can push the right buttons, I could see Texas being a top 10 team by the year's end. Yep. Yep. And my, yep. My sleeper team, Cincinnati. Okay. They're just being dismissed as a top 25. They are being dismissed. And I think at this point, Fickle has laid the foundation that they're a program now. Mm-hmm. Like that last couple of years are more of a trend than just something that's going to have this uh, precipitous fall off. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that. So they are 21st in Lindsay's. Yeah. Lindy's. Yeah, I can see them easily being in the top 10. Like, yeah. The first game of the year is going to be the key. Yeah. At Arkansas. That's going to be Ooh, the key. That's another sleeper, possible yeah. sleeper team. Yeah. I like, I I, I thought it was, I admit, hiring KJ, Sam Pittman. KJ is back at quarterback. I love KJ. Yeah. Yeah. He's back. Yeah. yeah. They did lose Traylon Burks, but they got some, they had a kid transfer in. Yeah. They got a kid transfer, they had a transfer in too. But the at Arkansas game is key. They got to be competitive there. I mean, they can win the rest of their games. Kennesaw State, Miami of Ohio, Indiana, at Tulsa, home against South Florida, at SMU, who lost their coach. Right. At UCF, Gus Malzahn, you know, whatever. Navy at home, ECU at home, at Temple, home against Tulane. I mean, they're, they're going to run off the rest of their games. Yeah. Right? That first game is is the game. If they can win that game, they're. I mean, so that's like, to me – to drop them from a playoff team to not even in the top 20, some right. don't even have them in the top 25. Yeah. Seems seems to be where if they can beat Arkansas, Sean, we could potentially be talking about them being undefeated again. Yeah. Now, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. I mean, they lost their offensive coordinator too, right? They lost their special teams coach. I mean, they lost they lost one of their DB coach Ohio State. That's the thing that gives me pause is, is they lost some really good football coaches. But they've got some play. I mean, Evan Prater. The kid that let me are they projecting Evan Prater to be the starting quarterback? Because he was a four star recruit and he was a good football player coming out of high school. Let me see here. Yeah, they have Evan Prater projected to be the starting quarterback this year. He was a four star recruit coming out of high school. You know, Corey Kiner is their running back. He transferred in from LSU. He was a four star running back that had a Notre Dame offer. Jaden Thompson was a dude for them last year. Uh, Tyler Scott was, he's the kid that smoked uh, Kyle Hamilton for a touchdown and they got all five starters coming back from the, on the offensive line. They're not going to be bums all of a sudden on offense. No, no. 
right? I mean, yeah. and I look, I like Desmond Ritter, but I love their their offensive coordinator, Gino Gadouli. You remember him? Yeah. So I mean, I I just I look at them, Sean, and I know they they lost a lot on defense. I get it. I I, I get it. But uh, they got a lot of kids coming back that like Jaheim Thomas, one of their linebackers, he's four star recruit. Malik Van, four star recruit. Juwan Briggs, four star recruit. You know, so for all the people that love the recruiting rankings, they, they got some dudes, but I just I just don't see them going from playoff team to outside the top 25, like some people are projecting. Yeah. I, I just don't and, and so but the, the first game's gonna be the key, Sean. I agree. That's gonna be the key. If they can beat Arkansas or even just take Arkansas down to the wire and then run the table, yeah, they're gonna be a top 20 football team. Yep. I mean, they're well. I mean, if that happens, they're going to be in the New Year's Six Bowl because they're going to yep. get that Group of Six invitation. They're going to yep. be the highest ranked Group of Six team at that point. Though. All right, Clemson. We know. had a hard. We had, this is interesting because because part of us wanted to have Clemson in the overrated category. Yeah. Because I mean, like people are just assuming Clemson is going to jump back into the top four, and they, like Lindy's has them in the playoff. All right, they have them ranked fourth. I'm like almost. I think the lowest I've seen them ranked is fifth. Yeah. And and my thought is why, right? Like, well, okay. Reason number one, track record. Okay, yeah. right. Reason number two, that defensive front seven is going to be filthy. I'll be honest with you right now, though. You can say whatever you want about Notre Dame secondary. I would not trade their secondary for Clemson's. Would nope. not. Would not. They have Notre Dame's two best secondary players are better than Clemson's two best secondary players. Fact. Now the difference is, is Clemson has a better front seven right now. Absolutely. And they're one of the few teams in the country that I think can say that. Can say that, yep. And and their front four especially. I mean, we can maybe debate linebacker, you know, maybe they're much better than Notre Dame. Maybe Notre Dame's better than them, depending on what you think of Maris foul. But to me, it's like they're just they're just better, right? With all due respect, I love Notre Dame's guys, but they're just better. But offensively, I think they're just – there's this assumption that – I think people are still working with the assumption that DJ Uyunglele is a five-star quarterback. <laughs> and I think they're working with an assumption that last year was just a down year for them. And the problem is me, you, Vince, all called Clemson's fall off last year because what we saw in 2019 and 2020 is what nobody else saw, yep. which was they had two dudes on that foot on that football team. I'd argue three. I want to throw Amari Rogers in there. But they had three guys on that offense in 19 and 20 that masked a lot of holes on that football team. Yes. And that was Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, and Amari Rogers. And they were just able to out-talent some people, which is why they got embarrassed the way that they did in their postseason games in those two years. LSU just, just worked them. Now, that was a great LSU team. They had – I mean, Trevor Lawrence had to put that team on his shoulders to beat Ohio State. They got outplayed by Ohio State on almost every other position except one quarterback. Yep. yep. 2020, they went and played Ohio State, and even Trevor wasn't good enough to rescue that team, right? And and uh, and then they come out last year, and I was not at all surprised by their struggles last year. I mean, some of the teams they lost to surprised me, but we predicted them to fall off last year. Yeah. Because and I don't think that's all of a sudden been fixed because Tony Elliott's not as if he was the problem. That dude was the offensive coordinator for two national championship teams. Can we stop pretending like he was the problem? Right from a from a play calling standpoint, the problem is the quarterback stunk. <laughs> the problem is the offensive line stunk. Yeah. And the problem is they haven't recruited the same way. 
And they have started recruiting more highly ranked guys that don't fit that offense. Mm-hmm. Bunch of tall, highly ranked possession recruit guys, as opposed to you know the slots and the speed and the and that type of thing. They went away from the recipe that worked, even though they had their two highest ranked recruiting classes. Right, are going to make up this team. So I think their defense is. But here's the thing. Here's the flip of that, Sean, for me. And this is why I didn't put them in the overrated category. Their defense is nasty. And outside of Notre Dame, their schedule is soft. Super soft. And that's why I could see them maybe finishing in the top 10, being the ACC champ, maybe being a playoff team, even if they lose to Notre Dame. Because at Georgia Tech, Furman at home, Louisiana Tech at home, at Wake Forest. I don't know what it is, but Wake Forest just does not know how to play against Clemson. No. Uh, Right? Home against NC State, this is going to define their season, this stretch right here. At Wake, home against NC State, at BC, at Florida State. If they come out of that undefeated, they're going to be a playoff team. Because I even think if they go on the road and lose, Notre Dame's probably not blowing Clemson out. Even if they beat them, they're not going to blow. Their defense is too good to get blown out, in my opinion. If they lose a close game to Notre Dame, turn the ball over a bunch. bunch Yeah. Yeah. Blown out. Yeah. Yeah. It would have, yeah, you're right, Sean. It'd have to be something like that. It'd have to be something like Notre Dame NC State in 2017, right? Where you have a pick six. Uh, you know, another turnover that sets you up a score, that kind of thing. Then, the, then they finished the year at three straight home games against Louisville, Miami, and South Carolina. I think Miami's going to be a top twenty-five team, and 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 so that'll be a quality win. I think Louisville's going to be a decent team. I think South Carolina's going to be an improved team. So even if they lose in Notre Dame, they got a chance to have three good wins Agreed. if they're undefeated. Yep. So that Wake, NC State, BC, Florida State stretch of their schedule is going to determine whether they're a playoff team or not. I agree. I and agree. so I'm just – I could see them being in the top ten, even though I don't think this is a typical Clemson team. Yeah, very easily they could lose one of those yeah. games as well. Like, because of the quarterback situation. The defense is going to have them in every game, but they have the quarterback situation that could literally give a game away. And, you know, that. what I said about Wake Forest – for whatever it is, I don't know why, but Wake Forest just doesn't know how to play against. They just know how to play against Clemson. I'm, I'm gonna look up the schedule now because I want to. I want to kind of back up my point. But like to me, last year is a perfect example. I mean, we we definitely know last year, and I just I didn't understand why Wake Forest just just when you. Like that was the year. This was their year to beat Clemson, beat and not them. only did they not beat Clemson, they got destroyed. destroyed. Is now it does Wake Forest? They haven't um, beaten them since '08. Do they find a chink in the armor with Venables gone? Right, but here here's been the twenty one point difference: 24, 49, 60, 14, mm. 22, 20, 14, 49, 29. They haven't had a, a single-digit margin of victory since 2011 against Wake Forest, against Clemson. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Clemson has just dominated them. The flip side, BC under Jeff Halfley is not afraid of Clemson. No, no. Should have beat them two years ago, right? Yep. And almost beat them last year without Phil Jacovic. Without Phil Jacovic, yeah. 
And so now Clemson's got to come back to Boston College. That's the game that's going to determine both teams' seasons in a lot of ways. Agreed. That's going to be a really interesting game, Sean. I think part of it is, and somebody somebody said down there, they're talking about the, the wake issues, the long mesh point. I think there's a merit to that because they try to do that long developing run game stuff and Clemson's offensive defensive line is just pushing their offensive line back into the yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like Stanford had that recipe against Oregon for a few years where they just right. beat them up up front. Right. Um, but but you know that BC game is it because BC has given them a game twice in two years. Yeah. yeah. And 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 look, BC gave them a game in 2019 as well, if I remember correctly. It was at BC. They won. No, no, it was 20, 2019. They killed BC. What year was it? With Trent, was it the 2018 year? Yes. Beat, uh, Clemson beat them 27 to 7 in 2000 in 2018. Yeah. But if you go back and watch that game, it was a competitive game for a while. Clemson, yeah. like, they, because BC was beating them up in the trenches. Right. It's just they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't score. score. Right. But, I mean, because here's what I mean. They here's what Clemson did leading into that game: sixty-three points, forty-one points, fifty-nine points, seventy-seven points, twenty-seven against yeah. BC. You know, and then the next week, 35, 56, 30 against Notre Dame's great defense, and then forty-four against Alabama. Right. So, Clemson is an interesting one, Sean. I just don't know what to do with them. No, they are the enigma. Uh, right. the 2022 football season it's like right it could go either way yeah it could go i could see him as a play way. i could see him as one of the a not very good playoff team and they'll get destroyed in the playoff if they right. make it and then the other one is is i could see them dropping look if they lose to bc i could see them i could see them dropping a few i, I really could i'm yeah. i'm going to pull their schedule back up here cuz Here's another team. I'm, I'm, we'll, we'll go through the conferences like at some point, but at Wake Forest, do they turn things around? NC State at home, are we right or wrong about them? At BC could be a loss, but if they lose to BC, it would not completely shock me if that team gets shook and goes and loses the next week at Florida point. State. Yeah, 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 yeah. Florida State's another interesting team this year, Sean. This is a very me. important year for Dabo and that program. Yeah. Just big picture. Mm-hmm. Very important year. Yep. To Because I think they have a pretty good quarterback that's coming to campus this year. And if they can kind of reestablish themselves and build off of that with, with him going into the next mm-hmm. couple of years, I think they'll be okay. But like you said, if they falter a little bit, it could be the end. Yeah. 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 And he's made some questionable hires, questionable because they're just unknowns. It's yeah. a bunch of former players. Yeah. His O line coach has never been an O line coach. He's a former player. You know, promoting Brandon Streeter to the offensive coordinator job, former player. I mean, he's hired a lot of those kind of, I mean, the, the defensive coordinator now yeah. is a guy that a couple of years ago was like the personal assistant, basically, to Bruce Arians. Right. You know, you know what I mean? Like, so that's who you replaced Brent Venables with. You know what I mean? Like you had a Ferrari. It, it's it's you had a Ferrari and yeah. you handed the keys to some dude that was a valet. Yeah. Right. 
So it's, it's, that's a great now. That's a great now. Analogy. It's either going to be really bad because he's a freaking valet, or he's a valet who's driven a lot of cars and he knows how to drive that sucker, right? right and right. he may not be a you know what I mean. He's, like it's going to go one two ways. A street racer, right? Right. And <laughs> he just didn't know it. This is what he did, kind of as a side hustle to right. you know. Uh, so it, it could go one of two ways, right? Yeah. And, and I just don't I don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. But they're a very intriguing team for me. Yeah. And and. Here's a sleeper team in the ACC, and I'll leave it at this, Florida State. Florida State has a lot coming back. They were a team that last year is a lot like Texas. They just didn't know how to win. They lost in overtime to Notre Dame, lost by three points to Jacksonville State, blew a lead at home against Louisville, lost by eight, lost by 10 at Clemson in a competitive game. Clemson put away late. Yeah. Lost to NC State convincingly. Then they beat Miami, beat BC on the road, and then only lost by three at Florida. Yeah, They're another team that was not – I mean, if they can learn how to win, they're going to surprise some people. Yeah, Travis. And the Clemson game could be the game. There's two games for me that that could go a long way towards determining Florida State. And I think if, if Norvell doesn't show promise this year, he's never going to do it. Yeah. He just won't get the patience. Yeah. He's got two chances to really make a statement. Number one, and they're LSU on a neutral field in game two. That's game one for LSU. That's game two for Florida State. Yeah. They played Duquesne the week before, and who was, a, I think, a playoff team, FCS playoff team last year. Right. And then, you know, bye week, and then, you know, at Louisville, tough. BC at home, tough. Wake at home, tough. At NC State, tough. Like, this is a tough stretch. But then if they can just be like, if they can beat LSU and let's say they lose two of those games and all of a sudden they're four and two, all of a sudden you beat beat Florida State or Clemson at home, you're now, what, five and two, six and two. You've got Florida at home, Louisiana at home, Georgia Tech at home, at Syracuse, all winnable games, and then you lose at Miami. Yeah. All of a sudden you've got a nine and three year and you've turned this thing around. Right. If you can beat Clemson, so LSU and Clemson, but if you lose both of those games, you have no chance of being over 500. Right. In my opinion. Right. So yep. that's a team to watch, but that, that Clemson Florida state game is going to mean a lot for both teams. And a Florida state Clemson game hasn't meant a lot in a while. No. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see that. So uh, that's it, Sean, man, I did four hours yesterday, three and a half today. I'm not going to talk to anyone for the next two days. Please rest. So, bro. Yes. Yes. I miss because I, I went three days out doing a show because I had a lot to say. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I loved the show. Uh, everybody, thank you all so much for being with us on a Saturday. Uh, had tons of fun. We'll be back Monday for our recruiting hour. And Sean and I will be back next week. We're going to have some really fun topics for you again next week. Yep. Uh, we'll, we don't know what they're going to be yet. They will be determined during our phone conversations <laughs> during the week. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. So make sure you hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share the podcast. Sign up for the message boards at boards.rsbreakdown.com. Check out all our sponsors. Tons of stuff in the merch store check out the lucky lefty podcast obviously as well you had two former notre dame greats that played on the last two elite notre dame football teams 88 uh and 93 yeah so you want to check that out as well and uh of course we can continue this conversation on the message board if you sign up 4.99 a month or 49.99 for a year 
Yep. And I love what we got going on there so we can continue this conversation. So for my man, Sean Davis, I'm Brian Driscoll. You all are IB Nation. Thanks so much for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast, and we will talk to you again very, very soon.